Hello, my friends. Welcome back, or welcome if you're new. This is Black Magic, a podcast where I pull a tarot card and I talk about it. I'm Sarah Black. I'm an extremely powerful witch, and I am recording this on the floor of my friend's bathroom. (laughs) I want to minimize the external noise of the garbage trucks and crows (laughs) that are surrounding this building at all times. And the acoustics in here are pretty good, so I think this episode is going to sound really professional. I have some updates to share about the Black Magic Substack. If you are a paid member, paid reader, you have a monthly or annual subscription to Black Magic, you're now going to get access to bonus content. So every Sunday, I will be sending out a reflection card, which will be just like a tarot card to guide you through your week ahead. It's not really meant to tell your future in any way. Not a psychic, or am I? Mm. But (laughs) basically, it's just the card is a lens through which to view your current state of mind or being and maybe help guide you in some decisions that you need to make that week, give you some food for thought, things to chew on. And in addition to that, I'm also going to start sending out inspiration playlists. So usually when I pull a card for a podcast episode or an essay that I'm going to write, I'll put together a little list of songs or movies, books, whatever, like media in general that I think of that is like associated with the theme of that card. So I'm going to start sending that out probably after the podcast episode is released. If you're not upgraded to a paid subscription for Black Magic and you're interested in receiving that paid content, you can go to sarahblack.substack.com and you can click upgrade in the top right corner of the screen. If you're already a free reader, if you're not subscribed yet, you can do that and then you can upgrade or you can stay a free reader as well. That's totally appreciated as well. And then you can upgrade from there to either a $5 a month subscription or $50 a year subscription. Both of those automatically renew unless canceled. And they're both, that's USD. If you're Canadian, that's $7 a month, $70 a year. If you sign up for annual, you end up saving a little bit in the long run. I think it's like a 17% off, something like that. I think the main, (laughs) I want to share as much content with as many people as I can But I would also love to make a little bit of a living off of doing this type of thing. I'm having a lot of fun and I'm enjoying myself, but it is time consuming to write all of this stuff and to record these podcasts and edit them. And sure, nobody's asking me to do it, (laughs) but if you enjoy it or if you like me and you just want to support me, a paid subscription to Black Magic is a great way to do it. Or if you don't have the money, which I totally understand, in this economy, (laughs) you don't want to add another subscription to your list of bills. That's also totally okay. But a way that you can support me is just by engaging. You can leave a comment on the Substack post or you can tell your friends about the podcast or the Substack. 
you know, share that Spotify link with them, share the Substack link with them, post it to your Instagram stories. Just let people know. That's also a great way to support me. And you don't have to spend any money to do it. Okay. (laughs) Enough begging. (laughs) So we'll get into the card for this week, which is an ominous one. This is a card that can be a little scary for people when it comes up in a reading. But I actually am kind of a fan. And it's not because I'm an extremely powerful witch. (laughs) Uh, This week we're talking about the devil. I think when this reading or when this card comes up in a reading, people have these Judeo-Christian associations, this like mainstream media kind of persona in mind of this like external force of evil. And I don't think that that's what the tarot card is really about. I think the card is a lot more internally focused than it is externally. The devil card, I think, comes up when you've got some internal work to do. The card is really associated with addiction and negative thought patterns and being bound to the vices in our life that bring us diversion and distraction from the real inner work that we need to be doing on our own personal demons, our own shadow selves. I think the devil card appears as an invitation to explore those shadows within us that are always lurking. I'll talk a little bit about the imagery of each of the cards, the Wild Unknown and the Waitsmith. Starting with the Wild Unknown, we see a sly-looking goat. (laughs) It reminds me of from uh, The Witch, if you would like to live deliciously. (laughs) So it's this goat against a black background, just like emerging from darkness, with these huge curved horns and a pentagram inverted on its forehead. And it's kind of giving us this... I feel like it's a sly little look and its hooves are on fire. That's the only color in the card is the bright orange and yellow of these, of its flaming hooves. And in reading a little bit about what that could mean, often feet on fire can symbolize like a spiritual journey, which I think makes sense for this card in the sense of in order to confront your devils, confront your your inner shadow, your demons. You have to turn inward, and it is a very spiritual kind of process. And then for the Waitsmith deck, we have a little more context, which I always appreciate. So on this Waitsmith card, we see the image of Baphomet, which is like an incarnation of the devil, I guess, perched upon this column with two human figures. I say that with a questioning tone because the humans have horns and tails. So I feel like they are either formerly human and have turned into devils themselves or they're in that process, but they're chained to this post that Baphomet is perched upon. But you can see that the chains are really slack. Like there's no 
they don't really seem to be struggling very much. Even the chain like around the loop looped around their necks is quite loose and they could slip out pretty easily if they wanted to. But it seems like they're there by choice, which I think is very interesting. I think that this underlines and emphasizes that like we make our own choices when it comes to those giving into our vices and to giving into our demons like that's something that we that's a choice that we make willingly i think what we see here with these two devilish looking human figures is i think we are seeing how corrupting the allure to stay in our comfort zone can be to stay in and maybe not even our comfort zone but to stay in what we know and what is familiar even though it is ultimately destructive to ourselves those loose chains around their necks symbolize our ability to choose freedom but we still hesitate to take that step of removing the chain. We self-sabotage instead and resist change at all costs. And then we end up keeping ourselves from fulfilling our true potential because we're just stuck in this repeating pattern of negative behavior. I think it's really hard to live in the world that we've created for ourselves in a system where most of us work jobs that we don't care that much about and we are underpaid and even when we have it good, like we still have to live with the knowledge that a lot of people, like the system that we're in profits off of the misery and oppression of most of us. And I think that living out of alignment with the way we really wish we could live causes so much of our depression and anxiety. And the easiest solution that we can offer to ourselves comes in the form of addictions and vices. Like we turn to external gratification when we feel like we're lacking within ourselves or our own lives, but we aren't ever able to satisfy ourselves. And it's easier to repeat that process of relying on alcohol or weed or consumerism, you know, online shopping, getting takeout food delivered, just scrolling mindlessly on social media or binge watching reality TV shows. Like it's easier to do that than it is to face the hard facts of you're living your one life in a perpetual state of misalignment and near misery and realizing that you have to do the hard work of digging your way out of the hole you've dug or that has been dug for you by capitalism. <laughs> and I think burnout and depression and exhaustion that we feel from pretending to be people we aren't convincing ourselves to care too much about jobs that are only a means to an end and self-soothing with those diversions makes us think and feel less so we don't ever question or deal with why we're so miserable. It's this insatiable consumption of alcohol and weed and empty television 
that allows us to shut our brains off and laugh at others' misery and misfortune as if we're any better than them, like just endlessly consuming media so we're not consumed by our own demons. We don't have to think about what's making us so miserable, never mind actually do anything about it. And I think once we get stuck in this, you know, coping through diversion and distraction, our lives get so far off track that at some point we have a midlife crisis and like wake up from our stupor for half a second, look around ourselves and think like, how the fuck did I end up here? Like, what am I doing? The opening line, in fact, of Dante's Inferno which is all about Dante's journey into hell to confront his own demons. When halfway through the journey of our life, I found that I was in a gloomy wood because the path which led aright was lost. If that doesn't sound like a midlife crisis to you, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) So I think we all come up to this point in our lives. I think, you know, most of you are about my age, maybe a little bit younger. So maybe I'm a little bit further along the path in the dark and gloomy woods, but I definitely feel like the the crisis that led me to moving to Montreal. I don't know if I would call it a crisis. Mm. Yeah, actually. (laughs) The state of mind that I was in was very confused. And I'm actually going to talk about this a bit more, this whole era of my life, (laughs) because I think it really relates to the devil card. And I think the devil card came up for me in this reading this week for a reason, and it's related to this. So in 2017, my dad passed away. I've you know, a lot of you know that you're close personal friends of mine or family, but I've also written about it with the death card. Yeah. So my dad passed away in early 2017. Like shortly after that, I was renovicted from the house that I was staying in and had to very quickly find a new place to live and ended up moving in with a close friend. And then a couple months after that, my grandpa passed away. And actually, and then like a couple months before my dad passed away, I was laid off from another tech job. So in the span of less than a year, I had these like four pretty traumatizing life events happen. And in the midst of all of that stress and and dealing with those, you know, life-altering events, this friend that I moved in with, I was developing pretty romantic feelings for them. And I think that the devil card is applicable here because this friend and many other crushes, (laughs) many other love interests that I've had in the past follow this pattern of behavior where I love to choose people who are just completely wrong for me and where it's just never going to work out or it's never going to happen at all. 
for a multitude of reasons, like either they're just emotionally unavailable or infantile um, or they're gay. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, for a, for a bunch of reasons, it just doesn't ever work out. And I just love to pick a man who has got absolutely zero fucking interest in me. And so this was a, a case of that where I had moved in with this close friend who I did have like a very romantic if like romantic and platonic friendship with like very flirty banter with each other and you know that type of thing so it was just like a very confusing time in my life to be dealing with the incredible loss that I was feeling to be going through that process of grief and then also having these confusing conflicting feelings for a close friend of mine and they're not unrelated <laughs> like so i have been doing some reading i i've read a couple of things about this in the last couple of years um and realized that this is like a pattern that i follow where i develop these like limerent fixations on people and if you don't know what limerence is it's basically like a coping mechanism that some people have where they have these like fantasy relationships with people they really kind of like fixate on this idealized fantasy version of the relationship that they could have with that person and in doing that they also kind of project this fantasy onto that other person and become very fixated on it, become very like to the point where they will avoid having any interactions with that person in order to not like gain any information or have any kind of like experience with them that might go against this fantasy that they've built up around them. And I mean, obviously, that's not like a conscious thing that I was doing. I wasn't aware that that's what I was doing. But once I read about it and thought about like previous like interests that I've had in people in the past, like it very much kind of fits that description. So I've just realized that I have this like tendency towards limerence when it comes to people that I'm interested in. So I had been living with this person for five months, maybe. Um, and having these very strong feelings for them um, without telling them, because that's another thing with <laughs> limerent behavior. Like, you don't ever tell the other person because that would, of course, clash with the fantasy that you have built up with them. So you just kind of live in this perpetual state of yearning, which, if you know me, I love to yearn. <laughs> So we'd been living with this person for five months, and they told me that they had come across a job opportunity in the Arctic, in Iqaluit, and they were going to take it. And they did ask me if I wanted to move with them, but I think I took that a lot more seriously than I should have, and that was kind of the start <laughs> of, the, of the issue, because... I tried to have this like conversation with them about like, did you really mean this? And they said, of course. And so I took it very seriously. But I think, in, of course, in hindsight, everything makes a lot more sense in hindsight. Like neither of us really wanted to. Well, I think they didn't want to admit that they had just said it as a 
casual, like, sorry, I'm moving out and making you have to find another place, even though we just moved into this this place. Um, and I think I also just didn't want to feel like I was being very casually <laughs> tossed aside, um, which like, not that that's what that was, but anyway. So of course, I decided to say yes and move to a Iqaluit, uproot my whole life because I wasn't particularly happy with it anyways, so why not? And of course, that did not work out. Eventually, I did realize that I was moving for all of the wrong choices and this person was not going to be able to support me in living in a very isolated community. I mean, it worked out for them, so that's great. But I doubt that I would have been happy there and I would have been putting a lot of pressure on them to help me manage my own mental health in that. And that wasn't their responsibility. So I'm glad that I realized that ahead of time and made the decision to move to Montreal instead. Why Montreal? Well, I'm not the first person to run away to Montreal to avoid dealing with their mental health. <laughs> I won't be the last person. <laughs> um, also, like I had friends that were living there and when I told them that I was thinking about moving, they were like, take my apartment for a month while I'm in Berlin, look for your own place. Everything just kind of fell into place really easily where when I was trying to arrange moving to a Iqaluit, it felt like banging my head against a brick wall. So that felt very like the universe telling me like, bitch, you should be moving to Montreal. So that happened. And Things with the close friend escalated, and I eventually was forced to admit all of these deep feelings that I was having for them, and they were basically like, thank you, but no, <laughs> which is what I was expecting. Um, and I think after we had this like conversation of like, these are all these feelings that I've been having for you. It made me, this is this is how I'm going to tie it back into the devil and the descent into hell. Because I was living in hell, basically, of my, a hell of my own making in my head by, like, having all these, like, crazy, like, deep feelings for a person based on, a like, a romantic friendship, but then also, like, a very healthy dose of delusion. And... I started to think about like, well, where did this come from? This this didn't just like happen out of nowhere. Like, how did I develop these feelings for somebody that I knew was just like not ever going to return how I felt? And why do I do this again and again? <laughs> and the first part of that, I'm not totally sure what prompted it, but I did eventually realize that all of those feelings that I was having for my friend were very tied to the grief that I was feeling about my dad and about that horrible year where I had, you know, lost him and lost my grandfather and gone through all of this change. Like, I was really reeling from, from that loss and from all of that trauma of unexpected change. And I think I had this, like, realization that it felt comforting to me and like exciting almost to have this to be contemplating the possibility of 
something more with this friend, even if it wasn't real. It was like a way to self-soothe beyond what I was coping with, which was a lot of wine and a lot of weed. Um, That wasn't working. So I developed a very fantastical, delusional relationship (laughs) with a person who did not return those feelings. And I am still working through that four years later. I still have... I don't really have those feelings anymore, but I do find myself reacting to situations where I'm disappointed in the same way that I did when I had those like projection or projected expectations of this person. If I don't know if that makes sense, but like basically like I continue to have expectations of them that are based on the idealized version of them that I had rather than the person that they have shown me they are in real life, not just in my head. And that isn't really fair to them or to myself. It's not really like allowing me to fully move on. I have like tried to navigate maintaining a friendship with this person even after the fact so i am still and i'm still working that out and what that looks like and i honestly don't know if i'll ever be totally over it but i don't know I, well and here's the thing like in saying that i have done a little bit more looking into limerence and where that comes from. And I found some really interesting YouTube videos about where limerence comes from. And basically, I choose unavailable people and make these like fantasy relationships with them in my head because I am completely afraid of ever being intimate with a person in reality. (laughs) Um, And in fact, also fear of being intimate with myself. I avoid (laughs) being vulnerable with myself and being fully honest with myself about my shadow selves and all of these like deep shames that I carry with me based on, you know, shit that happened in my childhood and in my formative years and as a young woman in the world. I think I carry a lot of shame around. Mm. I grew up with a lot of shame around what my body looked like. I was a chubby kid. I say that with hesitation because I don't know if I was actually chubby by healthy standards, but I know that I was chubbier than the other girls in my ballet class because my teacher would definitely point it out. (laughs) You know, I was a not skinny girl in ballet classes and swimming classes and kids are not nice and sometimes neither are the adults the people who are supposed to be the adults would say shitty things to me about my body and just being a girl growing up in the 90s and 2000s and the fat phobia constantly blasted into our heads from pop culture and media. Just, of course, of course I have body issues. 
I'm shocked when people don't have them. And I think that's something that is very tied into that repeated pattern of limerence because I've never fully dealt with it. I know that it's there. I know where it comes from, but I haven't really done the work to undo it. I'm not even totally sure what it would look like to learn to love my body the way that it is instead of constantly telling myself, like, I'd be okay with it if I lost 50 pounds or whatever. And I think, like, this is what the devil card is about. This is, the devil card comes up in a reading because it's telling you, it's like a warning sign that you still have internal work that you need to do. And if you don't do it, you're going to continue to rely on external gratification that will never actually fulfill you because you're not fixing the root cause of why you feel the way that you do. And I think that's probably the work that you need to be doing forever. (laughs) All of us need to be working on ourselves forever because I think when you stagnate, when you stop doing that work, you stagnate and you stop growing and then you just become this (sighs) husk of a person who never really does anything but work your mindless, soul-sucking nine-to-five job and then watch reality TV until your brains ooze out of your ears. And I am picking on reality TV (laughs) a little bit here, but I think (laughs) it doesn't have to be just reality. It can be re-watching the same show that you've already seen 17 times. Like, do you need to watch The Office from season one? to the end again? Probably not. I think you've seen it enough times. And if you feel like I'm attacking you, (laughs) I am speaking to myself as well because I also do this. (laughs) I also hyperfixate on shows. I don't know if you've noticed. But I think instead of just kind of letting ourselves go into autopilot and spend our days numbing ourselves from existence with social media or substances or, you know, hookups or partying or whatever the fuck it is that you do, whatever your vi- your chosen vice is, like, you're, that is you seeking out external gratification to distract yourself from the emptiness that you feel inside. And you're not going to resolve anything by avoiding that internal journey that you need to make, the descent into hell. You've got to be Dante in the lost and gloomy woods and try to make your way back to the path of light (laughs) to be really, I don't know. I think it's really difficult to do all of that when, by design, our jobs and the lifestyles that we are supposed to be striving for keep us so miserable that we're too burnt out and complacent to ever actually do any of the hard work to grow and evolve as people. Because if we stay these like empty husks, then capitalism wins because we're going to keep plugging money into online 
shopping, crypto schemes, like whatever the fuck, (laughs) buying (laughs) 17 different types of contour to put onto your face that don't really make that much of a difference in the end. Like your face looks the same. You just have more product on it. I don't know. I think we just, we spend a lot of money and time trying to avoid the reality of our lives. And, you know, we only get one of them. We only get one life. And I think it's kind of miserable that we have to spend most of it or that we convince ourselves that we have to spend most of it working in jobs that we fucking hate and that depress us and exhaust us just so that we can go on one vacation a year and fill our house houses with nice things, 80% of which we don't actually need, just so that we don't have to face our shadow selves, our inner demons, to do the internal work that needs to be done to be whole people and feel full and satisfied from within. Okay. That is my (laughs) rant for the week. I don't know if it's a rant. That is my piece for the week. This was a big card. It was hard to talk about. I feel very vulnerable sharing some of that with you. But here's the thing. I think that's the whole point (laughs) of this podcast, this Substack newsletter, sharing vulnerability and being authentic and honest because otherwise I'm just some wannabe influencer life coach telling you how to live your life while I don't actually do any of the work that I'm preaching about, which to me is really fucking gross. So I guess I hope that my moment of honesty resonates with you and inspires you to, I don't know, do some reflecting of your own. Good luck to you. (laughs) I know it's not easy. Um, Okay, that's all for me. Love you. Bye.